1: All right. Yes, please slow down and, uh, unless you're traveling on a road that you need to keep speed up. But, um, if not, slow down and, uh, take a listen as we begin this, uh, uh, this episode of Mystery of Parenthood. And we'll begin in the same way we always do in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. St. Gabriel and St. Michael, pray for us. Pray for us, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Welcome aboard. We are live today, and um, I've got Thaddeus in the house with me. He... Yeah, Trey, <laughs> he got stuff going on. Dennis is back, which is exciting, and um, we got a good show today. We're gonna kind of recap what we went over last week, and then um, and then um, move on to something else that I think is uh, again. Uh, we'll frame it later, but I, I think it's really important to remember that this whole show and parenting is always about kind of being purposeful and intentional and thoughtful about what you're doing and having some sort of a plan um amidst the chaos that is frequently um family life these days, or maybe it's always been that way. I don't know. But I know at our house, even without the kids around, chaos does seem to... uh sometimes raises its ugly head. So
0: hey, uh, I'm kind of just springing this on you that we we're going to talk we're going to talk about this, but uh, do you want to tell people real quick about the Together in Holiness conference?
1: Uh sure, yeah. So there's a Together in Holiness conference that um, we're hoping to get a, one of the speakers on I think it's the Swaffords. I mm-hmm. don't know if I said mm-hmm. said that correctly. Mm-hmm. Before it, but it's in, it's in, it's the first one ever, and we've had Arland on here, but the first one ever in the Austin Diocese, and it is, as I understand it, St. William's on November 6th. That's what you sent me, yeah. From, I, I guess, 8 a.m. to probably 4 or so. So the full day, there there will be babysitting. Um, yeah, pray for that, because we're in charge of the babysitting, so uh, we're trying,
0: oh, <laughs> trying, oh, to,
1: boy. trying to find the... Uh, the people, but but I've been to a few. Stephanie and I have had the um, honor of speaking at a couple yes, in, you have. in the Houston area. And um, and they're really solid opportunities to go as a husband and wife and hear from people um, that uh, have been successful in, in their marriage and in raising kids and, um, and just to be around other people who are striving for the same thing because I think it's good. I don't know. Typically, I would guess that there would be 100, 200 people there, mostly couples, ranging from people who are even close to our age down to newlyweds. And um, anyway, um, yeah, and you can schedule. go
0: to four um, f o r four life and a n d family dot org four life and family dot org to uh, get the list of conferences and to register.
1: Yeah, so I think it's it, uh, Stephanie and I will be probably tending um, to the to the youngins, but um, they do provide mm-hmm. um, babysitting. Uh, there may be some limitations on how many, but they're definitely going to be doing that.
0: So. Yeah, you can also go to togetherinholiness.org Thank for information. But if you go to uh, For Life and Family, F O R Life A N D Family.org, you can uh, register. So we'll put, we'll put a link in the show notes oh, for registration be, for that conference and we'll we'll be running PSAs and telling people about it. Yeah, I mean it's like 2 you months said, away. So the diocese so of Austin,
1: that's exciting. The diocese of Austin, so um like we could you could go to Houston if it was from from here, but I think it's pretty neat that the, that the diocese has opened it up to mm-hmm. that. They do conferences all over the country. Yeah, they do. And um they've always been well received and and helpful. Mhm.
0: You are correct. It is at St. William Catholic Church in Round Rock, 11 to six p. M., eleven a.m. to 6 p.m. on November
1: 6th. Oh, so I was wrong. It wasn't as early as, as I thought. So, But anyway, I think that... Um, register now. Re- register now, and um, we'll, we'll... Stephanie, I'll be looking for you.
0: In fact, as a matter of fact, it says here, early bird couple pricing ends September 20th, and that's $49 for early bird couple. Yeah, so, that's nice. Pretty cheap. It's pretty, pretty with... Good.
1: with uh, I believe that's free babysitting. It may we step it may end up being Stephanie and me if we can't figure <laughs> figure uh, <$5 laughs> it
0: out. $5 a child is what it is. was $5 a child.
1: child. Okay. Thank you. Okay. That's $5 $5 a child for the Like the I said, I,
0: I I, I prefaced by saying I was springing this on you so this is all impromptu. It's all right. okay. Well, I'm supposed to be on the planning board, so I should probably know well, things like I that. Mean, as far as people know, the last time we talked about it it was going to be free childcare. But, but it's, head it's head 2 months head out head So $5. It's
1: 2 months out, so you know, hopefully you can get it on on the, on the schedule, be purposeful mm-hmm. and intentional.
0: Yeah, take ownership. Take ownership of your marriage. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. that was our first uh, note from last week about the best things you can do to pass on the faith to your kids. Again, that was the article by Christian Smith, who's a sociologist at Notre Dame. And they said, he said, number one, Take ownership of teaching your kids the faith, and you want to recap that real quick, Trey.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, the example that we have um, th- that you provide towards your children in terms of how you take ownership of it is essential, and the and the fact that you're the primary educators of your children um, kind of does. Says a lot. You can't be replaced. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there. You have a job to do, and God's given it to you, and He promises to give the grace to be able to do it. So take ownership of that, and then um, do your best. I yeah. Mean, and
0: I think the great thing He said in there too was uh, kind of like you were saying. You you can't be replaced. Is that parents have a tendency to think that their example of you know what they say and how they live. Is it making an impact on their, their kids? And his research right. says, this is a research no, thing. actually, it makes a huge impact. It's the most important thing.
1: And I think this is something that we're going to talk about um, later in the show, but he ends that session by saying parents need to decide what kind of family they want to be and then put it into practice. So yeah. you have to have a vision and then act on that vision, um, which is Really, a kind of a Catholic way, a Catholic way of, of of an idea that you're striving towards, and then act toward, do something towards that. Mm-hmm. And it can be very simple things, which we're going to get to mm-hmm. a little bit later. So Ma- matter matters. Matter does matter. Put, in, and put, what we put do, into reality, right? That, it that does vision.
0: Matter. Okay. So second, uh, second one from last week was practice your faith with purpose. Yeah,
1: and he said that simply practicing your own faith in front of your child is the most powerful thing that you can do it's the most powerful thing. So, kids kids are really in, um unbelievably aware <laughs> of when you're just saying something as opposed to doing it. Um and so it's it's very important for for um for you to put it into practice. Um my word indeed that you need to show that religion is something that they uh, that you care about all the time and not just on Sundays sunday mornings at church but every day so it's mm-hmm. something needs to be part of the ongoing um, conversation
0: um, you, you know like and you gave some simple examples last week of for example making this sign on the cross anytime you pass in front of a catholic church or drive by it that simple little gesture of i'm stopping even for a second to acknowledge that christ is there in the in the tabernacle and I'm, I'm casting my mind towards God right. that, that, and
1: that's powerful very little things like I said I, I can remember I mean in my mind I can still see standing next to my grandfather who prior to even it being part of it was going back to pre-Vatican two and mm-hmm. it's when he struck his breast saying you know through my fault my most grievous fault." I mean mm-hmm. the strike his breast three times I still remember that Um and so, when it came back after it had kind of been dropped from from practice here i I mean I remember sitting next to him I couldn't have been 10 or 11, a but memory. but what I'm saying what I was trying to point is trying to make both the crossing of of yourself when you cross, pass a church or even if you cross by the a, um, a a Eucharist a chapel where the Eucharist is exposed for Eucharistic adoration. To just stop and acknowledge, um, stop and acknowledge, hey, there's there's Jesus, or stick your head in, um, just little things. I mean, I even remember my dad when I went on rounds with him as a grown man, um, having problems with a patient, and I was on rounds with him in the hospital, and he was having problems. This person was kind of going south, and he'd come back and fix it and go south, and he was like, I, Got Let's go fix this. And I remember him saying, we're going to, we're going to go fix this right now. He didn't say what it was. He walked me down to the chapel. Wow. And he, there at St. Joseph's and set (laughs) up here in, here in town. I mean, just a small thing that kind of puts it in practice. And, and that's as a grown man, that had an impact on me. I mean, I was probably 35 when, when that event occurred and, um, still maybe 30, but. Still had an impact on him. Sure. So he was putting his faith into practice. The
0: other thing I wanted to call back on that, that second point of, um, practicing your faith with purpose. You also talked about how, uh, when you might be having, you know, just conversations with your kids about, uh, life and their, their own everyday Mm -hmm. life as they grew up, always bringing in our faith as the lens through which we try to understand those those challenging times
1: absolutely I mean so the things that you see you know even as they get older to talk about to talk to them about what marriage is and reminding them what a sacrament is with regard to how you deal with women and that that's a sacred act and and therefore should be protected so I mean bringing in you know the reason why um, we believe certain things. We're not, there's not just rules for just to show I'm in charge. They're, they're, they're rules for our good. And even just talk about the fact, just driving around town, these are things like this, you know, if, if there were no speed limits and there weren't, everybody's going to stop when the light turns red and, and, and everybody's going to drive on the right side of the road. All those type of things, if you take those away and just allow people to drive as fast as they want, whatever side they want, whatever, you realize you actually lose freedom as a, as a result of that. So that's even something you could ask them, well, what would it be like? Or what would it be like to play a game where you just made up the rules as you went? Like, I dropped the ball, but I was not going to catch it, so it's a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, stuff like, stuff like that. I mean, you know, right. I made that rule up, or... You know, even though I'm five yards out of bounds, you know that that freedom and fun and 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 the ability to compete and have it be meaningful means that rules are not set to limit freedom, but actually to make freedom have more meaning. Um, exactly, and so I think that I think those type of things are things that you could bring up.
0: Yeah, and that and that feeds exactly into number three from uh, the article, the discussion from last week. Parent with loving connection and firm boundaries, right? And 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 so there's not a difference
1: between there's not a difference between um, being firm with your boundaries and having a loving connection. But I think in the world we live in, there seems to be a quite a bit of um, a view of authority as lording it over them. But we as Christians know that our that our Lord told us that we won't, lor, you know, lord it over them as if, but we are here to serve. So part of service is to help our children know what's good for them, what's not good for them. But it's also important, the loving connection is to make a couple connections for them. One is let them know I'm doing this for your good. Um and then explain why. Uh, you know, give them at least a reason why. It doesn't mean that they're always going to go, oh hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I I I get it. That's of course. But Again, it's like pitching those pennies in that in that little box that, you know, a little bit at a time, what you wanna be able to do by the time they're a teenager is be able to say, Look, is even the things that you didn't like that I encouraged you to do, or discouraged you from doing, or didn't allow you to do, weren't those all good decisions, ultimately. Can't you understand why we did that? And and as they grow older to remind them of that, but certainly if you've been doing it, that's often the card I pull. Yeah, I mean, I've
0: <laughs> and that, that reminds me of something I've heard Bishop Barron say on a couple of occasions. An analogy he's made is that, you know, God is love, God is yes, uh, and when we respond, but when we respond to his love and his yes with a no, what he needs to do in order to Change our, change our hearts or change our response to his love is with a no that, and just that idea of a no, a negative and a, ne- a negative plus a negative or a negative times a negative equals a, a positive. positive. Right.
1: And I, and I think again, we're, part of what we're trying to do is we need to study who God is, theology and, and how he operates. And certainly from a Christian perspective, w- we know that that includes suffering, includes lots of different things. And we have to, you know, have some idea of how that is beneficial. If there's anybody in sports or doing anything, you know that practice is not always fun. You know that, that, that doing the work to get in shape is not something that's fun. But if you played the sport, you know that that hard work ends up paying off in the game. And, and I think that, that you can even talk mm-hmm. about the fact that 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 so things that help us often are things that hurt in the moment, but they help us down the road.
0: So anyway. Yeah. And then the last one, um, it's uh, it's writ- was written in the article as find a welcoming religious community. And what? They were really getting at is it, find a, a welcoming church or a parish community for your family, or
1: even, or even, even small family. groups of families yeah. that that share your beliefs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, any kind of community that that helps um, build up that hey, there are other people who, while not the same as us, have the same values, and this is why. And what you're trying to do, which we've talked about, the the ultimate goal. is, Obviously, is to get to heaven, but the, but but the ultimate goal of trying to raise children is to have them internalize it, have them make it their own. So to have friends that come from families that that do that 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 believe the same things as we do, mm-hmm. um, helps them to personalize it, internalize it, and that motivates them. This is what he says: it motivates the children to stay connected with it. And so we have to kind of have friends. We all do. I mean even today, you know, you need you need friends, families, married couples if you've been married for some time that that support us like hey, I've been through that before. I I I know that's tough or whatever or who can support and say and show on the other side how, you know, we bring meals or whatever. I don't I can tell you how many I can't tell you how many times that when we had it where people Voluntarily help with meals, or or said, "Hey, could we watch the
0: kids?" or whatever mm-hmm. that that is a Christian witness as well. So, so I wanted to go back and and recap what we talked about last week from the article on Aletea, which was, uh, like we said, the four uh, the four tips or the four kind of strategies uh, to pass on. Your faith to your children. So those are sort of, um, that word I just used, strategic. That's kind of a strategic overview of how you might want to be instilling the faith into your, your children and passing it on. Well, went back to the well, <laughs> found, found another article from that same, uh, website, org, And this one, I suggested it to Trey. Why don't we talk about it? and he was like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." This is by Teresa Barber. I don't, I didn't get a sense from the article who she is, and I'm not familiar with her yeah, um, yeah. as an author. But this was titled "Ask Your Kids These Two Questions Every Day." And I, what I liked about this and how it fit in was, I felt like, okay, so last week we did this sort of strategic overview of instilling the faith. Now here's sort of tactically, day to day. Uh, something, a little piece about what you can do to keep your faith, the faith front and center yeah, and I in think, life.
1: And I think what I liked about the article was it, it shows you that keep it simple, stupid, I think is what yeah. we used to say in, in, in uh, coaching was sometimes yeah. you can get too complicated or think it's too deep or, and that may even discourage you from doing it because you think I, I'm not capable of, of doing this or yeah, I'm not, not equipped, start, I'm not equipped so, to do this, yeah. which, which I would again echo, which the truth that if God gave you children, he's going to give you the grace to do it. So trust that. That's part of faith. And then, and then try to put it in practice. But then small things, like I said, the small, you know, grandfather crossing himself when he crossed or, or striking his breast, mm-hmm. uh, a, Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, th- that those things were small things that that we did praying before you go to bed. Th- those are little things, but if you do them frequently or do them in a way, or taking off your hat, you know, I'll even take off my hat if I have a hat across the church and kind of just glance with my eyes, and I don't say, "Hey, kids, look at what I'm doing." Mm-hmm. Um But I know they notice, Um, and so because I noticed as a child, Mm -hmm. so the simple stuff is really easy to implement. It's not like you have to have like a catechetical degree and and that you've pulled out the catechism of your work. There's not. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying the impact that is had on children, um, even even teenagers can be even a grown man like my dad take me down down there is is a small thing with a small comment that requires nothing more unless they ask the question it's speaking to them
0: well one of the things that communicated to you was this was a critical life and death moment you made it sound like for this patient and what your father did was he went and prayed that communicates to you that he really he really believes this stuff and this must be real. Right. And otherwise cuz my father wouldn't be wasting his time on something he cares about his patients. He loves his patients. He wouldn't be doing something that's not going to be efficacious. And know, the way with, he communicated was he he just we're looked at me and said, we're going to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, it wasn't
1: like I'm thinking like he's going to go get some tool or right. a, some, a, specialist. a specialist or grab somebody or he went and got a specialist. He got these he specialists. Did. Too.
0: That's right. He got the divine <laughs> he, physician. He went that's right.
1: straight, straight to the specialist. So that's right. All I'm saying is it's the small things over time and even a small thing that is at an impactful moment. Um, can be way more than a 30 minutes of instruction with the, with the, uh, catechism. Yeah. Um, in terms of it. And I, and I think that's another thing that I, I we pointed out last time. What has an impact is in the moment that's happening, just a small comment or a question or something that is tied to something they're going through Mm -hmm. or that they're aware of Mm -hmm. is critical because that becomes something that they can tie, they remember Mm -hmm. better than if they feel like they're sitting in a class.
0: Yeah, now I am a child of the 1980s, and one my favorite cartoon of the 1980s was G.I. Joe. And oh, yeah. famously, they had the little, um, you know, kind of how to, how to be an American hero in, in your own life as a, as a right. boy. And it would always end with the famous tagline of knowing is half the battle. So like knowing the right thing to do is uh, half the battle, but then you got to actually do it. Do it. it. And that's, uh, kind of what this article we're talking about today is that other side of it. Knowing your faith is, that's important, but now this is about living it out and how you live it out. And I don't want to get, you know, too big for my britches, but, uh, I, I have a suggestion for a memory verse for today. Oh, good. So, Please. L- so we'll see no. if it, if it pans out. I'm sure out. it
1: will fit. The, um, but I, but I think, That's something that's critical because, because we can know a a lot of theology. In fact, there's, there's, I don't know any, but I've been, I've been told and feel comfortable that there are people who know their theology inside and out, but it's more of an academic exercise than a real one. And, and I, and on the flip side, I've seen professors who've had an impact on my life who, as they're teaching, I, I can tell by, what I know about them and how they operate, that what they're teaching is impacting, shaping how they live their lives. And that's always the, that's always the, the issue.
0: <laughs> oh, it, I will, I will say it right, stay right here for myself. I think that's one of my biggest deficits or shortcomings is that my faith can turn into just an intellectual exercise for me.
1: Right, and so, but but that's not that's not bad, but w- that's the struggle of life is we've got it. We've got to tie those things together right. because the flip side, and that'll be something we talk about here, because it's something that jumped out to me. If you just do these things and don't connect it to to why we're doing it, right, then it can become something that's just a ritual, just something that we do. And Catholics frequently, I'm sure others, but I mean Catholics frequently are charged with, they just do these things. Right. And they don't know why. And they don't know why or they don't connect with that. They don't care why. And they think, and, and they're perceived, whether they, the person actually believe they're perceived, particularly by people outside the church as, as they're doing these things to, you know earn their salvation or to be good enough to get into heaven right and the reality is is we have to understand we don't earn our salvation our salvation is a gift a gift to us that is only given to us because of what christ accomplished on the church i mean on the cross and through his resurrection and what he's established today by giving us his church and his very self through that church that's what gains our salvation. These things that we do are things that we must do, but it's not gaining us our salvation. It is actually putting into practice because he let he wants us to be human. He he reveals what humanity is meant to be and what fully human fully yeah. human. To be fully human is the glory of God. And what I always say to be fully human is to connect both those dots, to not just know what what you believe but to act on what that is, and
0: those things are to be fully incarnated, so to speak. So Exactly, and so to refute the accusation that we Catholics don't know our Scripture and we don't right. refer to what we do with the Scripture. Our mem- the memory verse I'm suggesting comes right off of that. Matthew 22, verse 35 through 40. I'm going to read it to you. Go read it to me. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him, Christ, a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-five through forty. And I think as we go on and we talk about these two questions that Teresa Barber suggests we ask our kids every day, I think you're going to see why I chose that as our and, suggested it. Suggested it as our no. Membership. I think I think
1: that's I think it's right in line because because one of the things I always point to is among others later on in Matthew in Matthew twenty-five when he talks about the last judgment. Saint Augustine goes to great lengths because he was, he was with, he, where he was serving, as I understand it, was a very wealthy group of people. Mm. And he would use Matthew 25 to say he doesn't notice Jesus is not saying that you believed in me, that you had faith. The way you show that you believe in him is to recognize him in the least of my brethren. So in Matthew 25, the judgment is based on when I was hungry, you fed me, or you didn't feed me. And and the question, and I think this is really central to being a Christian, um, and certainly central to the Catholic incarnational sense, sacramental sense, that there he is. Um, he says he unites himself with all these people. So he says, when you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren, you did not do it to me. Mm-hmm. and that's all or when you did it so that's what he says to saint paul when he when when saint Paul has a conversion he he says why are you per- persecuting me he doesn't why are you persecuting right. my disciples why are you persecuting my followers no why are you persecuting me and and so there's that union and so the great saints so many my um mother Teresa was saint. Mother Teresa of Calcutta was known for saying, I see Jesus in the person across from me. And if you talk to people who knew her, you always hear or spend time with her. They, they always say that when you were talking to her, you felt like you were the only person in the world that she was so fixed on that. And so she saw in the poorest of the poor, Jesus there. And so mm-hmm. I think that's part of, part of the issue. So it's not a disconnect. It's not like I love, God, and then I also do, it, it. the way you love God in this world is by serving and, and loving other, the other people that you come across.
0: Yeah, let me just put one other piece of scripture in there. This is, we heard this, I think, just a couple weeks ago at Sunday Mass, but from the epistle of James in chapter 2, he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Ouch. Ouch. And then, and then Saint John in his first letter, um,
1: in 420, chapter 4, verse 20 of 1 John says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So again, over and over, there's this connection between the person right in front of you is meant to be seen as Jesus himself. And the way you show that you love God is by loving the person in front of you, by giving yourself to them, by helping them with their needs. Right. And so there's not a disconnect when he says there's two. They are connected. Right. And, it you're, flows and, love. And,
0: your, and your point about Matthew 25 is that if we aren't keeping those two connected, then our eternal salvation is in jeopardy. And so our author today, she makes the point in the article that we always keep our eyes fixed on heaven. It's our job as parents to raise kids whose eyes are fixed on that eternal intention. And so... Her first question that she always asks her children, Imagine, I imagine it kind of sitting around at the dinner table maybe. Right, yeah. That'd be a great question. Um, what acts of service did you do today? What acts right. of service did you do today?
1: Right. And again, as long as we couch it in terms of why are we asking that question, it's not like I'm doing this stuff to make mom and dad happy or or my brother happier to get something from it or anything if if we're serving our brother than we our sister in in the house what are the acts of service that we did then it should be connected to when I'm serving somebody else I'm actually serving Jesus that's the way that I show that I love God I'm serving God when I serve others in a house a home is a perfect like not even an incubator but a but a but a little Microcosm of the world. How do I serve others? To have that mentality. So if there's questions, I think that what I, the the genius of this simple question is, if you have people thinking that at least there's a part of it that that says, okay, I'm going to get asked this question. I need to be thinking, and this is a way that we all should be thinking. What is there that I can do to lighten the load of somebody else? It can be as simple as you know, as a husband, saying, you know, my wife was up most of the night last night with with her mom. You know, she was in bed. She gave her mom coffee. She went and mm-hmm. laid. She went and sat back down in in bed. And I and I just said, hey, can I get you can I get you a cup of coffee? You know, and she said, sure, that be that would be awesome. It's a small thing, but but the thought is is the person in front of you, at the moment is who god's calling you to serve that's right so you should be asking we the great thing about the question if it's a question that's asked every day is it's something that we should be asking
0: ourselves how can i serve i gotta tell you a funny story (laughs) Yeah,
1: please go ahead
0: so this wasn't last night this was two nights ago our two-year-old she woke up in the middle of the night and i went in to try to you know comfort her serve her and uh the first words out of her mouth were, "No, I don't want you." <laughs> and uh, I, I said back with, to her, I didn't miss, miss a beat. I said, "Well, I don't particularly want to be up helping you right now either." But <laughs> but I'm here. But I'm here, um, and that was in the in the you know inside of me. It was, but I'm gonna I'm gonna love you anyway. I'm gonna. I'm going to get you back, you know, back on track and take care of you and she wanted some water and I got her some water and then she put her arms out towards me and wanted me to pick her up and, well, and so, hold her. So little things.
1: I mean my, so. my my that's beautiful and I think that's exactly <laughs> and that's the way. So there's a couple of points on that. When we are offered service or somebody's offers to help, I think it's really important that we recognize that John Paul the 2nd in his On the Meaning of Christian Suffering talks about the fact that when we receive when we allow somebody to serve us that we're actually being merciful towards the other person when we allow somebody to bring food when we need it or to pray and you say thank you so much for that and you receive it Mm. that you're being merciful why are you being merciful? because Mm. you're allowing the person to do what God's calling them to do in the moment so Sometimes we can get prideful. I don't need your help, or I don't want you. I don't want you. Uh, Two-year-olds different, but but I know plenty of people, and myself. I've I've told stories before about how you know you can be prideful. I don't I don't need your help. Yep. Or I don't need it. Or thank you very much. But when somebody's offering, if we receive it,
0: or even the attitude. Excuse me. Of of uh, if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. You know that I, right. idea. If I if I bring other people into it or ask mm-hmm. other people to do it, they're going to mess it up. So I'll just do it myself.
1: Right. Well, so so even so, think about this as a parent. You might have one of the things that we like to do is it, still to this day. My kids will ask me to make pancakes, but when they were younger, they would love they would love pancakes. Well, sometimes they would say, "Could I? Can I help? You know, I want to help." Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the reality yeah. is, if you have a five or six year old helping. It's going to slow down the process. It's going to be a bigger mess. It's going to be all these things. And if we think along the lines of, I just need to get this done, mm-hmm. no thank you, then we're not being merciful to that the heart of the child that in that moment is saying, can I help you? So even though it may cause more problems than than the help that they're providing in allowing them to help, sometimes the answer in this in terms of serving, is allowing them to serve with you, to so that they can do it. So that 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 needs to be something that we need to recognize on both sides. I, I think an adjunct to this question is: Have I let somebody else serve me? Mm. Have I allowed somebody else to serve me today? Mm-hmm. In addition to this, that's
0: good. That's a good corollary. Because
1: too. because I think that we need to recognize that we're often on both sides of this equation.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> and. And sometimes it's a lot more, I'm not saying prideful, but it's a lot easier, I think, once you've made the commitment to do it, to say, well, I'm going to help these people, than it is to actually humble yourself enough to say, I will receive what help is offered to me. And that's something we need to teach our children as well, how to receive help, you know, to be grateful thankful and and recognize that i can be jesus on that side of the equation i can be jesus on 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 the side that's being the one who's being helped who's in need of help and allowing that to happen so we want to be able to be on both sides of that that's a great point so i I think that that's that's really important um the other thing is like i said um I think she makes a she makes a point. She says, it's these small things. So I think it's often these acts of are very small things. She says it might be sharing a toy with a sibling or getting a snack for a younger child or helping make dinner, cleaning up toys or unbuckling a younger sibling from her car seat. It could be any of those things are acts of service, which is there. But the small things done with great love, great love, and again it, the the what happens in a family is sacramental. So if you're doing it for love of the parent, but you're also doing it for love of the person you're serving. So even in the family, Mm -hmm. it's that. So when, you know, this past weekend we were in Austin with with all our kids and and we went out to dinner and they're all interacting and and stuff. And one daughter, uh, Kingsley, was saying how, oh, Grayson took me to the grocery store and we shopped together and then... Kennedy brought me along with this and then me and Colby spent, you know, 3 hours on a FaceTime call and talked and I told her I said, you know, that brings me so much joy. Sure. It brings me joy because my family members, my children are supporting one another. They're providing that service. Well, look at that. That that's that's we are part of God's family. And so the joy as a parent that sees that is the joy that we provide to God as his children serve one another in their need, whether it's just an encouraging word or a, a trip to the grocery store for 20 year olds, or it's doing these small things as young children. But again, it's those, it's those little things that if you start building that into this is the way our family operates, that it carries over into when they grow up. If, if you're teaching them, hey, could you help your brother who can't put things up quite as well as you can, can you do that for me and for your brother? Well, that that's a nice sacramental sign, a visible sign of what God is asking us to do in that relationship as a child of God with our brothers and sisters.
0: Um, we have about a little yeah, over 10 minutes. I I wanted to just... Offer one other thing. I can, I could see how in a family, as, as the sharing is happening around the table of how people served one another today, you know, inevitably there's going to be maybe somebody whose act of service on a given day is bigger or they were stretching themselves more than someone else. And I think what that also helps to do in the family is it helps create a, a culture where, um, people are willing and able to recognize greatness in others or goodness in others and they don't see it as just because this person is being praised doesn't necessarily mean that I'm being, you know, knocked down or lowered or I'm not getting my due. It, it provides, it, I think it helps create magnanimity in people, people who are willing to give people their, their due and, and recognize the goodness and the great things in other people even if it doesn't means that Right and so and, and so
1: that's something about building in a, in a culture about that, that that's so important I think is for 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 people to be happy and to build for for the success yeah. of the other you know that there that there's a sense of we are one body right yes. i mean if if this person is suffering we're all suffering if this person is happy we're all happy. That's right. If this person has been successful, we're all successful. And the way we've done that, we think we talked about that before. I always say, you know, where you're a Christian first, you're a cash-in second.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if something good happens to a cash-in, then it reflects. If something bad happens, or if a cash in does something bad, it impacts all what, of
0: what us. What is it enough you say? You have,
1: your, you you have, you have my, my name on you your back? You have my name on your back. But, <laughs> but so that's my brother's son, you know, who who recognizes as has been taught by my brother that that you're representing more than just yourself in this world. And again, <laughs> that speaks to what it means to be Christian. You are reckon you are you are representing more than just you in the moment.
0: In a sense, that's what Christ was saying to the listeners in Matthew 25. He was saying, "You have my name on your back." So this is how you should you should act. act.
1: I mean, and and so I think it's just I think it's incredible. So that question, I think, is really good to to put into practice. That's a simple thing you could start tomorrow. Try to make the connection. Maybe read a couple of verses talking about about how, look, Jesus, Matthew 25 is a a great one. And Mm -hmm. and that verse that you have and many others, first, John 420 to kind of frame it for the kids, but then let them know this is why we
0: serve. So anyway, all right. So we've got eight minutes to talk about the second question, and she makes the point. Uh, Teresa Barber again, the author of this doc, this uh, article from Alitea. Her second question is, "What do you want to thank God for today?" And she makes the point that sociological research—that's another connection to last week's article—confirms that uh, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive, deal with adversity, build strong relationships. Uh, so. It improves she asked their that, health even. Yeah. She and, asked that question. What do you want to thank God for today?
1: And, and, and I think that, that, that's the spirit of what it is. Cause remember, Thanksgiving is translated into Eucharista in, yes. in Greek. Yes. So when we're going to mass, there's this sense of, This is Thanksgiving for what's going on. And if we understand what Christianity means, we can even be thankful, it's hard to do, for for our crosses. In fact, we should be thankful for our crosses. Yeah, Um, Those are really hard, but we can be thankful for other things, just a simple, wow, today was a good day, or I had a good night's sleep, or whatever, but... It's part of what it means to be Christian, to recognize that God's hand is is in all these things. And so we should be thankful, even if it's the worst day of your life and everything has gone wrong, we can look at the cross and say, thank God that this has meaning. <laughs> thank God that this is not meaningless. That's right. And that we can offer it. And so there's so much teaching that could be done in terms of that morning offering and, and giving it. Over to God and uniting it with what Christ accomplished on the cross and what's offered in every Mass, and making that 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 even the bad days can have meaning. You know, Colossians one twenty four should be memorized by every. For I make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of His body, the Church. That Saint Paul is saying that jesus accomplished everything but part of his plan is to allow us to enter into that and unite ourselves with him and therefore i can rejoice in my suffering for i make up what is lacking in the sufferings of christ i rejoice in my suffering this world needs that because there's an awful lot of suffering and hardly anywhere else that i know you have to deal with suffering well Our answer to suffering is having that crucifix in the house Mm -hmm. that the greatest evil ever perpetrated is our hope, is Mm -hmm. our salvation, Mm -hmm. is the reason that we can get to heaven. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it also says that when we live down here, we can look towards his cross and look towards what he went through and know that I can rejoice in that to the extent that I can, you know, unite those with him and offer it with him, it'll have meaning.
0: I like your your addendum or your add on to her question, or of because if you're asking that question every day, and then you're you're starting that that uh, conversation and getting your children to think about yes, thank God for your the good things that happened to you, the the blessings that have happened to you today, but then. Yeah, you know, helping them just on a day to day basis, go that next step and say, can you, do you think there's, do you think there's some bad things that happened to you today or some sufferings or some trials that happened to you today that you can be, can you get, do you think it's possible to give thanks to God for that? How, what would that look like? What would that be a mean great to do that? Question. You know, and that's kind of what you're, you're, you're suggesting.
1: I'm just suggesting that we have the fullness of truth revealed in and through the person of Christ, offered to us by himself in and through the church. We have that available to us. This world and all that we are going to experience, we need to help our children be able to address the fact that they're going to suffer, to 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 make God into the, somehow the, the one who is going to protect us from suffering, or fix, it, the, or the fix, fix everything yep. so that you would never have to suffer, and that his love is exhibited by always fixing the problem. You can see why people walk away from the faith. We have to point to the crucifix. We have to point to what Christ did. We have to point that there's something meaningful about those suffering. You know, James starts off counted all joy with the, you know, the fiery crosses. It's over and over that in the acts of the apostles, when they're preaching Jesus and they go, they get beaten and they come back and they rejoice. This world needs that, because there are going to be times when you're beaten, whether it's by this crazy virus or what happens at work or whatever. We have to have – we don't have to have, but we're going to be much more joyful, much more accepting of the things that happen and recognize. And the other thing about suffering, I've said it all the time, for every Good Friday, we can count on an Easter Sunday that it is passing – Whatever suffering is occurring, we need to look at and figure out why that is, whether it's something we did, or. but there's unjust, innocent suffering that occurs, and then put it in the context of what Christ revealed about what it means to be human in a fallen world, and that he has provided the answer to those questions, so that when they grow up and something bad happens, or when that's not like, well, why is God doing this to me? Now that's not a bad question to ask, but we always have to come back around. Well, if we haven't taught that to them, that that small little suffering, not making it on the, you know, the dance team that you're trying out for, or not making the A team when you when you're, you know, baseball or football or whatever, not all those type of things. Those all point to well, what can you do? Well, then do that. You know, go practice more, whatever. But will you still accept that even if you work as hard as you want to work and you do everything you can, that what happens if you still are on the B team? I have a good friend. I have a really good friend. I'm going to finish it. A really good friend who said the other day, you know, we got to stop looking at the things that are happening to us or the things that we're choosing to do as something extracted from what God wants for us. He's talking about sometimes you're placed in, yes. in the circumstance and yes. in, in the in with the people that you need for that moment, so let's see God at work. So again, be thankful for His presence even amidst suffering.
0: Yeah, and a reminder to end on that note that our uh, scripture verse today was Matthew twenty-two, the two greatest commandments. All right. So anyway, the two greatest questions, the two greatest commandments, the two
1: greatest commandments, and we you know always remember to pray. Uh, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Please pray for us, especially for Stephanie and her mom, and um, we'll be praying for you. God bless you. Thanks, Thaddeus. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Trey. God bless us all. Amen.